perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. We focus on business outcomes, how to communicate their brand across the omni-channel, how to uncover new traffic channels that they're not currently leveraging, and how to find more efficiencies in what they're currently doing to drive the bottom line. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Own Your Commerce. This week, we have Steve Weiss on the show, and Steve is, let's see, I met Steve about three years ago. I think at the time, we were just talking before on air here, I think he had hired his ninth employee. He was just a hustler, just working hard to get something going. He's over 200 employees now. He's really a lifelong entrepreneur. He's a marketer. He's the founder and CEO of Mute6, an award-winning full funnel digital and creative studio founded in 2014. He's responsible for the overall vision and strategic leadership of Mute6. And fun fact about Mute6, I think they have more case studies done by Facebook on them than any other digital marketing agency, I believe. Is that correct still, Steve? I haven't counted recently, but at one point. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Thank you so much for being on, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show. I won't go back and check. Can you give us a little quick background on why Mute6? What is Mute6 and why did you build this company? Moved out to LA in 2012. As I said earlier, when we first started talking, Jay, from New Jersey. And at the time I experienced Hurricane Sandy, which for a lot of us who are from New Jersey was a very difficult time to be living in that area. And sadly, I had a lot going on in my life. My stepfather was one of the 11 people who passed away in the storm. Uh, he was he was a hero to me, to say the least. He, the way he, he, you know, he, was, he was an African-American man and Growing, you know, even during these times, just seeing like him as my hero, I'm proud to say that he's my hero all the time. Seeing the injustices that he went through on a daily basis empowered me as a kid. Like I didn't really see or understand race growing up, and I think a lot of us who grew up in a very diverse neighborhood never understood what it was like to be an African American man in in the U.S. So you know, I, I took it for granted. I called them. I called him dad. I, I called him, you know, he was, he was a rock to me. His name was Len. You know, I didn't see him as anything else. And I think seeing the way he passed away, you know, I wanted to get out of New Jersey. I wanted to try something new. And I moved to LA originally to be a, a stand-up comedian. I had a lot of sadness in my life, you know, a lot of, a lot of crying, a lot of sleepless nights or just missing and just, you know, wishing that he was a part of my success. And I moved to LA with hopes and aspirations of, of a new life and being a comedian and having a background in creative. I saw that there was a massive opportunity with Shopify and Facebook. Those are the two places that I think, you know, naturally I was using Facebook advertising to get people to come to comedy shows. Now I'm like, well, not only will consumers come to shows, but they will also consume product. So in an effort to make money and to, you know, to be able to survive at the time I was living in my car and underneath the gym <laughs> in an effort to survive, which, you know, more or less thrive. I, I started part, you know, I started consulting with brands on both the creative side, having a background in all of the Adobe products and post-production editing, and 
And I started you know, chopping up videos for, for Facebook personally. And uh, I saw that wow. there was, yeah, from partnering with these brands, I saw that there was a massive disconnect and misunderstanding of creative and performance. And I set out to more or less build initially a collective around creative and performance marketing, which is more data-driven and then creative. And if I could educate creatives in terms of what it takes to be successful on digital, I could educate my more performance-driven marketers on my team what it's like to build great creative. You know, you have the recipes for success for, you know, that we can then duplicate across a multitude of brands. In a very humble way, that's how we started. I never raised any money. It was me working, living in my car first, and then just being able to, you know, keep building on success. I, I found a great business partner and, you know, before you know it, 2019, you know, we, we sold the business to, uh, we had a liquidity event. We sold the business to Dentsu, one of the large advertising holding companies. And it just shows, you know, if you set out with a great vision and you put invest a lot in your team, you know, good things happen. Amazing. I didn't know. I mean, I know a little bit of the background, but I actually didn't know a lot of that. Thank you for sharing all that. That could be a movie, man. (laughs) The why behind a business is really, I mean, it sounds like yours was crystal clear. You said you, you wish your dad was be here to see it, but like, man, he's a part of it. Like, I don't think I would be going on a limb to say like mute six wouldn't be around if it wasn't for him in some way, like everything happens, you know, uh, for a reason. I refer him back to him as my stepdad. As I I called him Len, that, that was his name. And he, he got engaged to my mom two weeks before he passed away. So, uh, you know, the saddest part was is that I was hoping to see them get married and hoping to be there on that day. And just he was the only one who believed in me. I was more or less a bad kid who got in a lot of trouble. I was, I was a little. I thought I knew everything as a kid, and you know, I, I hustled. And I, I sure we all have similar stories of just being a little rugrat, not getting into trouble. And he, he was the one guy who would always understand and empathize. And, believe in me. And I think we all have those people in our lives as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, those one or two, people that no matter what they believe. in you. Yeah. So then it's been, well, I guess five years from start to the liquidity event. And I mean, we talked in 2017, you were at nine employees, you're over 200 now. So what's it been like hiring 200 people in a few years and working with really like a lot of the biggest brands in commerce, like you scroll through the logos on your website, like you're working with all the biggest brands. Yeah. I mean, as I reflect back on the journey, we didn't set out to hire 200 employees. And I don't look at 200 employees as employees. I look at them as family. Each person on our team plays an integral role in our success. Mm -hmm. And it's very important, I think, to look at people for people. I think there's a certain type of people that we always look to hire. You know, we don't always go after the smartest person. We don't always go after the person with the best resume. We, we go after the person that has a unique background, that brings something unique to the table, that thinks about life differently. And I think diversity and inclusion is something that's, I think, the fabric of our organization. It's something that we're always trying to find out how we could become better at because I think the key to success in marketing is that you want to bring people that have different backgrounds and different ways of thinking about life to the table and everyone shares their thoughts of how to market this specific product. And I think mm-hmm. that's been the beautiful part of Mute 6 is that you know we do celebrate you know the diversity that we've been able to build inside the organization. But it's 
say this, it's never enough, man. It's never, it's never enough. I, I think that's one of our pillars we're going to be coming out with is like, how do we be more diverse and more inclusive? Yeah. And every mountain peak you climb to, you just realize there's another one on the horizon. <laughs> so oh, interesting, right? As, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you, you're 350 employees. I, I think that like you have to always change and evolve. If you're doing the same thing for more than six months, you're going to be falling behind. That's just the truth. You know, if you're not evolving. Yeah. I think even just like if you're the same company for six to 12 months, you're not evolving. Like I think like every six months, like, man, we're a totally different co- company now. Couldn't agree more. And I, I just think we were lucky. We had, I think like, if you look at all successful companies, you know, we had a, a great core group, uh, an incredible core group of people. And that's what really allowed us to grow around this great core group. Yeah, that's critical. That's what the company's built on. Those are the bricks that the foundation that makes it strong. Yeah. So I want to touch on something you just mentioned. Obviously, you're at social media, but from a very practical standpoint, just for people listening. So you work with brands to help them build. Is it mainly just paid social campaigns or is it broader than that? Is it a full social strategy? When a company comes to Mute 6, what is it you do with them? We like to think we focus on business outcomes. So we're focused specifically on is how to communicate their brand across the omni-channel and how to uncover new traffic channels that they're not currently leveraging and how to find more efficiencies in, in what they're currently doing to drive the bottom line. We're always looking at the bottom line number of the business. I think that's the key. To, I think the, the recipe for success is to not just look at channels you know, by themselves, but understand the impact these channels have across the whole conversion flow and across the whole business. So we help companies understand their data. We also help companies really build out a strategy across all their channels focused around business outcome. And so when you're saying channels, people use those terms differently. Are you talking sales channels or social channels? Both. I mean, I think that, you know, sales channels and social channels are one and the same. So you look at yeah, that's a good point. organic and earned on Facebook, or, you know, TikTok. We do a lot in TikTok right now. TikTok is a major sandbox that we're playing in. Um, obviously, YouTube is you know one of the one of the agencies that really does YouTube well as far as being able to YouTube for acquisition. You know, all Google properties, search and shopping, et cetera, et cetera. You mentioned TikTok for a second there. I had that on my list of things I wanted to talk about. Obviously, this is a growing platform. Do you think it's the next? big thing and it's here to stay? Is it, have we passed that point? Where are we at with TikTok? I think TikTok is here to stay. I think that they have a moat when it comes to their product and they're going after a specific user. How are businesses using it? Or how do you suggest they use it? Right now, TikTok is mainly for, I would say, organic or earned media. I think that a lot of the companies that we partner with are focused on TikTok as a way to generate new customer acquisition for an audience Facebook isn't reaching. TikTok is a different type of consumer. They're focused on content. They love the platform, how easy it is to use. So I'd say that TikTok has a lot of potential. That's a a good word to use. Is there paid advertising on TikTok yet? There is paid advertising on TikTok. And are brands leveraging that or is it mostly just organic? Brands are definitely leveraging paid on TikTok. Someone mentioned the other day that the most success they're seeing with TikTok is they're taking their TikToks and they're turning them into YouTube ads, the ones that are the most popular. What do you think about that? 
TikTok is a creator's platform. We've had a lot of success with that as well, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. We've seen a significant amount of success in terms of turning TikToks into ads. And TikTok doesn't care what other platforms you post on? No, there's ways of exporting to TikTok and, and transferring to other platforms. I guess ultimately, it's also good exposure for TikTok, right? So, Yeah, it's, it's perfect exposure for TikTok. I think they just have a great product. I think that's why they're growing so fast. I'm a TikTok user. So I'd say that for me, like what I love about TikTok is just platform. It's kind of like how Facebook was six, seven years ago. You, you have a huge amount of organic reach. You have mm-hmm. the, a very unique way of creating content that filters, adding different types of music, adding, you know, really playing around. I just think that for the younger demographic and even for like, you know, old guys like me in my early to mid thirties, like, it's easy for us to like navigate as well. So I think TikTok is not going anywhere anytime soon. I think they're only going to get better. They're staffing up a lot in their company. So we have a great partnership with them. And we're one of the only partners as well that is able to run ads from white label accounts on TikTok too. So, you know, partnerships with influencers, if you want to run ads from their account, we're one of the few partners that has that ability. Oh, interesting. Yeah, TikTok, I think my perspective is, I think it really taps into the human need to create. And people want to create, like, I mean, you go, when you were a kid and you got a video camera, you wanted to film and make something and like TikTok makes that so easy to cut spots, add music. And it's like, my daughter is six years old, but she has a cousin who's 13 and she makes TikToks with her, but she doesn't look at them. She doesn't look at them once it's on the platform. She's six years old, but like she loves to make them, but she doesn't really like enjoy making a post on Facebook. So there's like an innate need to create content and TikTok just, I think they've tapped into it perfectly. I love it. I think that it's easy to use. I think there's a segment of the population which just will never go back to Facebook. On the topic of social, you got Google, Facebook, Instagram, Snap. When you look at a strategy for an e-commerce store, so someone listening right now, do you look at a cohesive strategy across all channels? Do you have different ones for each different platform? I mean, maybe I'll let you speak on that a little bit, but like, which one would you focus on the most? Or maybe can you talk a little bit about how an e-commerce brand specifically, which I think is mainly what you focus on is e-commerce brands, right? I think you have a few outside, but anyways, like where would you start as far as thinking about a strategy leveraging all, or would you recommend starting with one? I'll leave it open-ended, I guess. Obviously, we want to make Core Blue profitable, which is all Facebook's properties. I think that's the number one. Mm. That's the number one place that we're we're focused on because that's where that has the most volume. So, for most companies that are launching an e-commerce product, making Core Blue and then Google work at scale. I mean, Facebook is the biggest platform for discovery, and discovery is nine tenths of the game. You know, to get that first, you know, hundred or thousand customers. So, we want to make Facebook and Instagram work at scale and at at efficiency. And then obviously number two, because we're running Facebook, we're also, you know, we're also getting a lot of people Googling that. So we also want to be running paid search, YouTube. We also want to be setting up reviews. Reviews are really, really big and really important. So we want to focus on partnership with a great reviews platform. And then on top of that, they are selling omni-channel. They are selling marketplaces. We also want to make sure that they're set up and optimized properly in Amazon. So Amazon's a big conversion point for us, You know, whether they were Seller Central or Vendor Central, You know, making sure that they have correct images on their pages, making sure that the price matches to what we're doing on 
Shopify. So it really depends on the product. Most of our companies we partner with are e-commerce, but you know, we're always trying to focus on the omni-channel and the key business metrics that drive the business. And when you say reviews, are you are you referring to like reviews on the product page, like the one to five star or customer reviews that they, they like a video review or something yeah. like that along those lines. Reviews, you know, partnering with like a, an Okendo or a Yachtpo or one of those partners that, that we all love. Obviously there's yeah. many great review companies uh, where, you know, we partner with a lot of, so Kendo, Yachtpo, Stamps.io, all those great guys. Great companies. The content you create, is it created by Mute6 or do you leverage user-generated content? UGC is a big part of our offering. UGC means user-generated content. Content such as images, videos of products made by customer, and reviews and testimonials. You know, we have a whole influencer team that usually a partner that reaches out to influencers and gets UGC and creates strategic partnerships with creators. I think that's the huge reason why we've been able to be successful is that we've empowered networks of creators for, for almost all the brands that we work with. Are you posting them through the brand's channels or still on the individual influencers' channels? We're posting them both. We're posting them on both the brand channel as well as the influencer channel. We're getting access to their, to their accounts to run ads from as well. On the top of influencers, where's that going now? It boomed. It did really well. This is, this is my... I mean, we're not in the advertising space. So I, you obviously know it better. But like my perspective is... You can tell me if I'm totally wrong, but it, it boomed. Then obviously a lot of like fake, not fake influencers, but influencers with maybe not the most solid followings were appearing. Now it seems like the there's this trend towards, I don't know if you call it like micro influencers, like influencers that maybe don't have the millions, but they're small micro and you work with a lot of smaller influencers than like a few large ones. Is that an accurate view? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with creators. Like, we're trying to find people that create great content. We're less concerned about their how many followers they have, or you know, all the other more or less vanity metrics. We're we're more focused on the type of content they create and the voices that they have. And how do you find these influencers? Is there marketplaces for them, or do you scour Instagram and look, or do they approach you? Or our team actually goes out and finds them mainly TikTok. We're focused almost. Singularly now on TikTok, but we, we, in the past, we've done a lot with Instagram and, you know, there's a lot of different networks that we've tapped a lot of, I'm not a hundred percent expert at how, how we source, but I know we have a couple of great partnerships. Is people who are influencers on TikTok also influencers on Instagram or do, do they pick a channel and that's it? Mainly they pick a channel. Hmm. Interesting. So influencer marketing is by your opinion, definitely not dead. It's just evolving. It's definitely just evolving. Definitely. I think we're at the first base to it. Yeah, it's kind of figuring itself out. Where do you know Zuckerberg last year, I think it was, where he said social is, I can't remember the exact quote, but something to the extent of like social media is going private. And as opposed to on all the public forums, there's private groups, private DMs, private threads in Instagram. And that seems to be how a lot of the kids now, <laughs> I say kids, communicate like instead of, posting like, you know, everyone I know who's under the age of 25, they have, you know, Snapchat groups they share to or Instagram groups or that are a little bit more private than how are brands approaching and managing that to the audiences that maybe aren't as interested in the general feeds 
what strategies do you recommend around that? It's definitely a different type of consumer. I think that's what that's what we're seeing is the Gene Y consumer. I agree is very different. The, the feed and, and the stories just aren't as interesting to them as the group setting, as smaller groups, more privacy, et cetera, et cetera. That's why, you know, the, you know, the WhatsApps, Snapchats, like smaller group chats. And I think like we're trying to empower brands to build those small communities around their customers and a place where a lot of their customers feel empowered to be able to communicate. That's what I think is the future is going back to thinking about community and not just thinking about paid media. Interesting. And I mean, as far as direct messaging, do you work with brands on that or is that outside of your scope? Like I know a lot of companies have had a lot of success directly messaging people that comment on their posts. So they'll run posts that gets a ton of engagement and then they message the people that comment on the posts, almost like they have just full-time staff messaging people that comment, creating this crazy engagement. I know Pure Vita Bracelets is like really good at this. There's a number of others. Like, is that something you work with brands on or is that that's outside? That's for them to figure out on their own. Well, just so I understand your question, you're asking if we respond in messages, like we respond to social comments or... Not that like Mute 6 does the responding, but like helps brands figure out a strategy. So like scenario might be that you you have a post and the goal is it's it's a certain product and all the comments on it like how does a brand then dm those comments in a way that's like not salesy do they i, I mean i guess it has to be on brand and it has to be their voice and their message and music. it really depends on like what they're messaging i think i think it's it's more or less like how does this sound how does the brand add something to the conversation i think that's the biggest biggest thing that you know that I think we're focused on is like you don't want to use these channels to be very sales focused. You know, we do a lot of text messaging, but that's more on the CRM side. But I think messaging, like DMing, like we're we're definitely not like, you know, encouraging brands just to DM people based on, you know, based on them responding without being inside the conversation. Right. Okay. So if you had two businesses, one has a thousand dollar a month budget and one has a hundred thousand dollar a month budget for the business that says Kate, I'm ready to start advertising on social and I've got a thousand bucks a month. What would you spend that thousand dollars a month on? You mean like what channel? Yeah. Say it was your company and you were selling Steve's Air Jordan shoes and uh, Steve, Steve Airs <laughs> and uh, Air Steve's and you wanted to drive as much traffic or sales or bottom line growth, however you would metric, like what would you spend Steve's thousand dollars a month on? There's a lot of like kind of variables. So it depends how much, how much do I have an unlimited amount of supply of the product? And, you know, first I would probably partner with, find a couple creators that are inside this segment of the segment of the people I want to target. I'd have them create content around, around the product. And I'll then take that UGC that they generated and ask access to, to use it from their page. And I would start running ads from their page directly to my site. And then I would start optimizing the site gathering user data off the shopping cart and start building out a CRM. But to answer your question, I would probably, mm. probably would you know, start off with Facebook as a channel. Mm-hmm. Can you advertise through any personal account? You can definitely advertise through any page, not, not personal account. It has to be like a page. Any page. Okay. People that are creators, like they're doing this. Like this is, this is their strategy. It's not like, I love camping. I go camping all the time. I post about tents and, and someone in a tent company approaches me and said, Hey Jay, can you create some content about our tent and can we advertise it on my 
personal Instagram or my personal Facebook page. That's not the case. It's these are people that have pages created already for right. content. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you ever do that? Is that ever a scenario where you guys find someone that's just creating content and then you help them get into that space or that's on them? Yeah. I mean, it depends the scenario of what the outcome we're trying to drive. But if we have, there's a great content creator, you know, we like to partner with them, see if there's brands that we can partner on, see if there's projects we can partner on. It really depends on the situation. Yeah. And then if you had a hundred thousand dollars a month, would it change? Depends where the business is. I mean, there's obviously like just because you have money to invest doesn't mean that you want to invest it all in you know, one place. I mean, I think yeah. at $100,000, I'm probably creating more products, more content. I'm probably partnering with more creators and I'm probably doing what I would do at $1,000 and figuring out how to get data back quicker and how to get payback from sales to pay for media quicker. So I think I'd be more aggressive at $1,000. Mm-hmm. Interesting. One of the things I wanted to ask you while I got you here before we run out of time, at the time we're recording this, there's all kinds of riots and things happening around the states and with statements, obviously, I think this will probably air in a couple of weeks, but who knows where we'll be at at that point. But while this is happening and kind of a conversation going on is what is the responsibility of brands on social media when it comes to whether it be political things happening or anything of that nature, what's your opinion on that and how should they engage? I think they have to listen. I think the number one thing is I think the brands have to listen and they have to be sensitive to people's views. They have to be sensitive to obviously current, you know, they have to be sensitive to what's going on in the press. I mean, the reality is, is that there was, a horrific injustice that happened. You know, George Floyd should still be alive. And I think customers want to hear from brands. They want to understand where brands stand and will they allow this injustice to keep going and what changes they make to, you know, to what they're doing, how this influence positive change within these brands. I think that these brands, whether it's donating to specific foundations and charities, whether it's Black Lives Matter or others that really empower you know, African-Americans in the workplace, whether it's making sacrifices or commitments to being more diverse or having diversity councils or doing different types of product offerings, raising money. People want action right now. I think there's definitely a, a large segment of people, including myself, that feel very strongly and are very angry at the, at the situation that happened, I think, in, in Minnesota. And, and really, you know, obviously now all three police officers, you know, including the first guy are arrested, but you know, we all want to see social change. We all we all feel very strongly about it. So I think brands have to really speak up. I think if they're quiet and they're not tackling the issue that they risk having people not know where they stand. And I think right now, at least being quiet is, is a scary place to be. I agree. If you have a voice, I think you need to use it. And there's a lot of times where I, you know... Brands maybe don't want to say something because there's the, they don't want to offend anyone. They would rather stay neutral. There's no shortage of people who are neutral. And I think it's, it's important that if you have a voice to use it. So I'm glad <laughs> you're on the same page. I got one more question here before we uh, hit up our quick lightning round with you. Forward looking a little bit in e-commerce, in social media, what are some trends you see from your seat? Consumers are getting smarter. 
they're really watching brands closer and they're really figuring out how to work with and partner with brands that share their vision of the world. And from an expectation perspective, I think consumers, you can't false advertise to consumers. I think consumers are too smart for that. So I think number one, consumers are getting more and more intelligent. Number two, they have a lot of expectations on the social front for a lot of the brands they buy from, whether it's clean beauty, clean products, organic products, or whether it's social impact. Like consumers really want to understand where brands sit in a lot of these social movements. So I think that those two things, and then on the purchasing side, I think can't just run an ad and expect people to buy your expensive product. You have to do more. You have to really make sure that you have reviews. I think reviews and user-generated content is more important than ever. I think that's something that's come through really loud here in this conversation. Like, And I just found it interesting that that was the first thing you said when you had your Air Steve shoe company was you'd go out and you find creatives. And I would be willing to bet if I asked a hundred merchants um, their first strategy to growing through a social channel, it wouldn't be that they would run ads and use just whatever audience they could select in Facebook and probably blow 80% of 80% of the money. So that's been a really interesting takeaway for me. Okay, I got a couple quick questions and then we'll sign off. But I always like to ask a few quick lightning round questions. If you, I don't know if you've, uh, if you prepared for these or not, but if you don't have an answer, just say pass. If you have an answer, quick, short, <laughs> pick your brain here really quick. What is the biggest mistake in e-commerce you've ever made or you see others make? Buying customers that have no affinity, no long-term affinity to the brand. I think that there's a lot of, Brands that we've worked with that aren't focused on a long-term LTV and just are focused on the first purchase and then completely forget you know, about these consumers that have already bought. And they're kind of just churning out customer, customer, customer. So Makes a lot of sense. What's your favorite thing about your job? Working with great people. What's your favorite online store or the last place you bought something? I want to be very clear. Hopefully this doesn't come across as, as my view on society, but uh, it was on a Judy.co. It's the survival, <laughs> the cool survival bag company. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I know you recently uh, bought an engagement ring. I thought it might be that. Yeah. <laughs> so. no, I didn't buy that online though. I, I, okay. <laughs> All right. I didn't, I didn't wait for that thing to come in the mail. And yeah. Although they did, I was Googling on Amazon. They do have engagement rings on Amazon, which is interesting. <laughs> Did you ever uh, hear about this was a few years ago that the guy, um, I think it was Facebook, he sued. I don't know if this lawsuit actually went through or not, but he was looking at engagement rings and then his wife was on Facebook and she started getting ads for engagement rings and she somehow, you know, asked if he was looking for it. And did you hear about this? No, I didn't. No, but it sounds uh, similar to... <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it's a reasonable um, algorithm that Facebook might use. If you could give everyone listening here one tip related to e-commerce, anything, what would it be? Focus on the needs and expectations of the consumer. Most of our listeners, uh, because they're merchants, they own a business. Any favorite quotes that Steve has on his wall somewhere or in a notepad or in his phone that you live by? Be the change in this world inside yourself that you want to see in the world. Yeah. And what's your favorite book? 
I read a lot about Abraham Lincoln for whatever reason. Really? And, uh, and I just finished reading this book called Lincoln, the unknown, which is written as weird as sound by Dale Carnegie. So I love, mm. uh, I, 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 that's one of my favorite books is uh, Lincoln, the unknown by Dale Carnegie. It talks about unknown stories about Abraham Lincoln. About wow. All that never heard experienced that. in his life. And I like anything history and biography is, just write a next book I'm reading now is about Cornelius Vanderbilt and the steamboat. So that's, that's, huh. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. It's, you can learn a lot about the now from reading about the past. So yeah, totally. cool. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on, man. I really appreciate it. I guess the best place to find you is mute six.com. Yeah, <laughs> okay. And uh, if anyone listening has any need for a world-class what do you call yourself? A digital marketing agency? Performance marketing. Performance. Performance marketing agency. I love it. Where, yeah, where, where creative and performance are balanced. I, lo- I love how you said that in the beginning. You saw the disconnect between creative and performance. Check out Mute 6. I've, Steve is one of the salt of the earth people I've ever met. Actually, man, I forgot to tell that story at the beginning when one year I was out in... I, I got to tell the story. I was in San Francisco and... You drove all the way from LA to San- I don't can't remember if you drove or flew. <laughs> and Snoop Dogg was at your office. You were filming an ad campaign for Snoop, and you came up and you because you wanted to like meet and hang out, and you walked in. It was a yeah, Shopify Unite conference. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hey, what are you? and then you told me that Snoop was. I'm like, I'm like, man, you came to see me instead of Snoop Dogg. <laughs> So, yeah, I didn't realize Snoop was in the office in fairness. Oh, here I go. Now I thought you left all <laughs> You know, I, I wish I could go back in time. Yeah, I totally missed a filming, but, <laughs> but uh, that's all right. We got, we got to meet face to face. I would have met, met Snoop over me, though. I don't <laughs> <blame you. laughs> all, right. all right, man. Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Cool, man. Likewise. We'll chat soon. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.